Today's episode is presented by the Skin Store. For over 20 years, the Skin Store has been the number one destination for premium skincare, hair care, and beauty products. With over 8,000 different products from 300 different brands, the Skin Store has you covered for all your hair, cosmetics, and supplements, and of course, skincare needs. Find your favorite brands like LTMD, New Face, Olaplex, and more, all in one place with gifts with every purchase. Right now, the Skin Store is offering our listeners 20% of your next purchase by using the code POD. That's code P-O-D for 20% of your next purchase at skinstore.com slash pod.list. Skin Store, have the confidence to tackle the day ahead. Hey guys, so welcome back to Wild and Basic. So today I have another guest on the podcast. His name is Aaron Myers. We are talking a little bit about his life story, where he come from, and what he's up to right now. He's an entertainer, he's an artist, and he's also an entrepreneur. So there's definitely so many things to talk about. But main thing we are focusing on is his music career. Because I think so many people would be curious right now what it is like to be a musician nowadays in this era and how does one you know become one there's just so many questions to ask from and especially if you're uh, younger and you want to pursue a music career uh, this is the episode for you hi Aaron thank you so much Hello. for coming to the show thank you for having me I'm glad to be here so you're one of our uh, I think second uh, guest in this show that like uh, entrepreneur and also entertainer because I think a lot of people who have been on the show has been like I think influencers actors I feel like that's pretty much has been like a lot of have been like influencers and actors because that's like the only people I know uh, because that's like my circle so I am uh, so glad to be you know expanding and reaching out to more people that you know in a different area because I think it's good to bring different perspective uh, so can you introduce yourself a little bit? Oh, I'm Aaron Myers. I am um, actually, I do act as well, but I am a jazz artist by trade uh, and uh, also a writer, uh, which we'll be talking about that some on this, um, on the podcast. Uh, I am based in Washington, D.C. I'm a veteran of the of the Army and I'm from orig- originally from Texas and uh, I love life. I'm single, all this other stuff. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Comes with it. So do you want to talk about how you made your way through, uh, you know, from Texas to D.C. a little bit? Because I know you were in the yeah. Army before also, right? Yes. Um, you know, I, I joined the military when I was 17 years old. And when I got out of the Army, uh, I was stationed in um, Fort Gordon, Georgia, and Augusta. When I got out of the military, I did some college in mm-hmm. Texas. And then I lived in Hollywood for about four years lived off of Sunset, near Sunset and Gardner, not too far from the uh, Guitar Center. Mm -hmm. And I loved Hollywood, loved LA. I joined the Obama campaign. Mm -hmm. I worked for them for about nine months. And then that landed me here in Washington, DC. And I've been here since 2008. So the time during Hollywood, like, was it just like test for you to uh, just test the water and see like how the life is there or like, well, I mean, I was there for four years. Four so, years. You know, I okay. love, yeah, I, I love, I love LA. I have, a, I have many, still many good friends mm-hmm. uh, in Los Angeles. Um, when it comes to a live music city, yeah, 
it's not a viable live music city. Uh-huh. Um, and when it comes to acting, at the time I was there, yeah. Amazon, Hulu, YouTube, those things did not have other platforms that were offering programming. And so Black Hollywood is very small. Hollywood uh-huh. is very racist. And so it was difficult for uh, agents to mm-hmm. uh, represent more than one Black person. You know, there were not many, there was not a lot of work for Black people uh, when I was in Hollywood. Uh, and so, and I was a jazz artist. Yeah. Uh, Hollywood was not a strong jazz city mm-hmm. either. Uh, DC seemed and represented more jazz. It was it was close to New York, mm-hmm. so I could be in New York. And when I got ready to tour internationally, uh, it was the easiest place to fly out of to go anywhere in the world. Um, the, I just did a tour in Russia right before the shutdown, and I got a there's a direct flight to Russia to yeah. Moscow, you know, from here. Um, so, I mean, it just made more sense for me to be in Washington and to stay here. Yeah. I just had no idea that, like, it was uh, like that, like, you know, representing uh, people of color. Because, uh, I mean... Oh, God, yes. You, It's that, difficult. Yeah, yes. no, that's why I want you to talk about a little bit, because I have experienced, like, not me, like, from my friends that I know, that, like, uh, especially, like, in the modeling industry and also even, um, like, influencer industry, too, is that, like, I know people would pick... Like, they would only maybe pick, like, one um, people of color just so they can show that, like, you know, they have diversity. But they wouldn't mm-hmm. be, like, a lot of chances for people of color versus, like, if you're white, you know, like, they, they just pick more Hollywood people. Has, Hollywood has never celebrated blackness. Mm-hmm. Hollywood has viewed blackness. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hollywood has um, examined blackness. Uh, Hollywood has made money or exploited blackness. Uh, but... Hollywood has never been invested in ensuring people of color had uh, representation both in front of the camera and behind the camera. Uh, it's never been a part of the priority yeah. of people in Hollywood to do that. And that is evident. And anybody who's been in the business long enough will tell you the same thing, white or black. It's just, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's unfortunate. And we, I mean, what, uh, Oscar's so white, you know, Emmys, I mean, we, we see We've seen this over and over and over and over and over and over again. And uh, after a while, you know, if a person was depending upon one's not only uh, livelihood, but uh, on being able just to pay the rent and uh, things of that nature solely based on the consistency of a job, a, uh, a industry looking out for them, Hollywood is not that is not that industry. Now, every actor has to have uh, his or her own talent and have his or her more own commitment, grit, uh, determination, like with any career, like with any uh, choice you make uh, uh, when you're looking at uh, a career move you're going, you're going into. Uh, so you have to have determination, you have to have steadfastness and uh, dedication. But when you're dealing with a, uh, a, a career field where its viability is not dependent upon you being either represented in front or behind the camera, Uh, or you being paid equitably, fairly, in front of or behind the ca- uh, camera, there's not much you can do there, but just where the chips may fall, you know? And in the United States, we've created a false narrative of, of the starving artist. Uh, and it's not that way in other countries. Um, many other countries uh, actually provide a living wage for artists. Uh, San Francisco is getting ready to try out this pilot now. They're getting ready to try a $1,000 monthly stipend to artists so they can have just a minimum basic income uh, to kind of get rid of the notion of this whole 
the, the, the starving artist. One does not have to struggle and starve for one's art. That's 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 a misnomer, and it's not true. Yeah, I think I can uh, like definitely relate to this aspect because I know the way also the influencer or the content creator industry works too is that like there is no like um, like income that comes every month regularly. It's almost like based on like a brand partnerships or like if there is a sponsorship it that happens, but it's not like a stable income that like you're just like you know waiting on that like like a paycheck that comes in. So I totally like see the point of like why they would also you know do that like a. Um, like a regular paycheck that they can get in because you know they also have to create their own you know music and everything because like they only you know I mean I just don't know the industry that well but I'm just saying like I can understand how uh, how difficult it must be because you know if you're creating a con like if you're creating music and everything and this is something you love but you should be also you know having need to have the money you know you don't just be uh like not having to afford the life you want uh while also you know creating the um I mean, like the music and everything you like. Well, I mean, it's not just for music. It's also for acting. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that goes for actors as well. So, for instance, in France, uh, if you are an artist and you can prove your your, your art, you're working this, that, and the other, uh, you are provided with a minimum basic income because they understand the value of your contribution to the the culture of the country, the culture of the people. So when you think of five or 600 years from now, when people are examining what made us tick as a people, what made us uh, uh, survive as a people, they're going to be examining our art, our culture. That's what they will be examining. And, and through that, they will be able to identify who we were as a people during this particular time. The same thing that we do when we look back at ancient Egypt, ancient Rome, ancient Greece, uh, we look at the drawings, the art, the culture, and that is how we derive what values that those people held. Same thing with right now. We need uh, countries, municipalities, governments to uh, appreciate the, the contribution that artists make to one's culture. And the value uh, within that will be reflected in how you treat these people. And you remember the humanity of these people. Um, and I think we've seen a lot of that during this pandemic. Yeah, no, I, I feel like this pandemic was a great lesson for all of us like that. Yes. I think it really showed um, so many people's true colors that I just feel like it has been like just under layer so many years and we didn't we had no idea. So uh, it just right. all, you know, came true. Uh, so would you say that like in that case, like the music, like music for you was better uh, in DC because you had jazz or you were focusing on that? specifically or well it was better because first of all washington had a a stronger and a more equitable live music scene to begin with live music that's what it is okay period period Mm -hmm. like it's and and jazz i'm a jazz artist so jazz specifically there's not there's not that many jazz clubs that are paying a good money in los angeles to begin with Mm -hmm. uh the live music scene now if i was a white rocker you know, mm-hmm. who also did heroin or something of that nature. I could go to Whiskey Go Go. I could be somewhere on Sunset. I could do uh, all right, I suppose. Uh, but um, when it comes to jazz, R and B, things of that nature, uh, the accumulated wealth is not backing many of those artists or the um, uh, the open mics, the jams, the opportunities one would have uh, to uh, showcase one's art and or music. So um, in Washington, D.C., it was a strong and vibrant live music scene. Um, And uh, as far as theater is concerned, Washington has the second 
uh, highest amount of theater seats is New York City. Mm -hmm. So it just made sense to to be here, knowing that I could get work either on stage or uh, I can get work uh, doing my music and get paid for it, which is good. And then be showcased in front of, you know, I've done the Kennedy Center mm -hmm. or, or more than once. You know, I've been able to launch tours from here. I've been able to uh, deal with national figures and meet national influencers here in Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. So I've made it just made the most sense. Yeah. One thing I was going to ask, like, because I'm just so curious because I feel like maybe this is just something I have been seeing a lot in like Hollywood or just like in L.A. a lot. Would you say like it's just because like everything is so fake there? Like also because like a lot of people who would like nowadays even like they sing. I mean, it's auto-tuned on everything. So would you say this is because like a lot of people can't even sing live and that's why like uh, it's just not like built at all in that industry? Well, Hollywood is a movie city. It's a movie town yeah. uh -huh. and it is a television town. And uh, the way the music industry works works in uh, Hollywood, it doesn't work really uh, to, to set and support independent artists and it definitely oh, didn't do it at the time when i was there mm -hmm. mind you um hollywood's music scene and music system works in an archaic mode in an archaic uh they were very slow to adopt and adapt to the okay. new principles and new technology and things of that nature and uh decided to throw money and double down in tradition rather trying to innovate and compete and to really understand what the true landscape of art and how art is produced like for this last album I just put out, mm -hmm. as an independent artist, I raised over $23,000 to put it out. Uh, most venue, and I did that within a month and a half. Wow. So like most labels are not even putting that amount of money mm -hmm. toward their artists to begin with. And so understanding how the world of independent artists, the power, the strength of independent art, and how to partner so that both parties can equitably make some money uh, Hollywood just was not there when I was there. And I was there from like 2004 to 2007, 2008. So mm -hmm. like things may have changed now, not from what I can see, mm -hmm. you know, but it may have changed now. Um, I decided just to take it into my own hands and being that this is more of a virtual world anyway, uh, instead of just being limited to only having DC as my audience or only having LA as my audience because of the internet, I have the world as my audience. I think that's a great, great perspective. Yeah, especially because like nowadays the way the pandemic is going, everything is like going virtual. I even had like actually a friend. She's doing. Uh, I feel like I should totally get you guys in touch because she's doing. Uh, she's a host of this uh, app. They do live shows uh, from our uh, mm -hmm. artists and like on the app. Uh, I think it's so great. Like because you know I feel like concerts is gonna be a while since it gets back to normal and everything mm -hmm. so i feel like it's such a great idea to just able to watch the live concert on your phone or like on the ipad and everything i think oh uh, yeah i mean we have to we have to adapt with technology and you have to go to where you meet your audience where they are and i i think so often we, we try to force our audiences to come to us and for instead of a concentrating on putting out good content, good art, and then meeting the audience where where they are and seeing exactly where is this audience at and realizing that in that moment you can learn something, you mm -hmm. know, if you if you if you truly are invested in connecting with uh, an audience, you you can learn something in these moments. I mean, I have some tracks up on audience, which is the cryptocurrency where I mean, there's an audience there. You have to know where people are and be willing to go there and be there with them if you truly want to connect with them.
Wow. Well, I had no idea. I knew, I knew about NFT, but I didn't know about like the song. Like they can buy the song. Is that what how it works? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, audience. And you can you can download and you can uh, they're even going to be tre- creating something pretty soon where, you know, even uh, music can be a tradable currency as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff happening, but you have to be willing to learn yeah. and adapt. Uh-huh. You know, you have to be flexible. I always say when you're when you're on a road to success, you have to leave yourself some room of flexibility. So if you have to pivot, it's not viewed as a failure. Agreed. Or defeat. Yeah. Agreed. So that's why I think I'm actually so curious about this because I know um, like nowadays, at least from what I have experienced, especially because of TikTok, the, how it became so popular, so many new artists actually emerged from that because like the people use their sounds and everything and it just became so popular. But how would you say, let's just say nowadays, if someone wants to be a singer, maybe not mainstream, but like just wants to make like a decent income as a singer, how would one start? Like, do you just put a, like a track on SoundCloud or like, how would you like? What was your what would be your advice? Well, first, know how to sing. Okay, yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. Yes. First, first, know how to sing. Uh, second, uh, understand that if you're going to enter this business, no one may ever support you. You may not get the accolades. You may not get the the, the success uh, that you've seen other people have, and be willing to accept that and understand that you're going into an industry where. Um, you could do everything right and still not make it. That's understand that. And if you can accept that and check your ego and not let your ego get so wrapped up into what you view success will look like and allow your, your, your talent to create that success for you with the hard work you put behind it, you then take the blinders off. You take the cap off. You take the ceiling off and you're able to soar in ways. Um, I never thought that Success for me would in, would, would um, include doing a 20-city tour in Russia. Nowhere on my Like radar. you had no agenda. Yeah, like that was not in your agenda. <laughs> but once you take what's in your agenda out and you say, okay, I'm going to be dedicated to my art. I'm going to believe in my art that you have to believe in yourself first before you do it. Before you step in a booth to do it, you have to believe in who you are and believe in what you can bring to the table, have faith in yourself. And then once you're able to do that and you want to um, 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 enter this business, you first need to uh, acknowledge, write down somewhere, how do you acknowledge or recognize success? What does success look like for you? You cannot go at this with an ambiguous goal. You have to understand like, well, this is where, these are the magazines I want to be seen in. These are the television shows I want to be seen uh, in. These are the radio stations I want to be heard on. These are the podcasts that I want to be heard on. This is where the stores I want my music to be in. This is the format I want my music to be available for. This is what I want my audience to look like. And this is the type of music I want to get. All of these things need to be written down and specific because unless you know these things, you're going to be working toward a goal that's ambiguous and you will attract ambiguous success. Things that are not specific, things that are not... and people do not have a problem in reaching their goals. That's not a problem. People have a problem with setting goals. So if you're going to uh, go out to record a single, how many spins do you want it to have? Do you want it to be played on the radio? How many followers do you want to follow you on Instagram or on, I mean, on uh, Spotify and uh, Apple iTunes? Uh, 
where do you want this single to live? Do you want this to be pitched for movies and television too? You need to have those things worked out and be very specific because without those things in in or written out in stone or a, as goals, you will have no way to measure your success or if the work you're doing is successful. So unless you are very specific, it goes also for influencer world. There is, you cannot approach one brand to partner with you unless you have data and specifics. You know, I've had people tell me that they wanted to have a certain brand partner with them, but they don't even follow the brand, the brand on Instagram. I'm like, how are you going to have this brand partner with you? You don't even follow, you don't even know who other, what other people, uh, what other influencers they work with. You don't even know. You've not done your research. You don't know how you would be able to add value to this brand or whomever. So you must be specific about the success that you want to achieve in your music, in your writing. You must write these goals down, say them daily, know where you want to go, and then operate as if you've already achieved it. Because if you're moving that way, you will start to attract that kind of that kind of success uh, to you. Uh, that's just what I've experienced. No, I love that you broke it down because I think um, I can speak this from like the way that you're talking about all of the industries like coming together. It's like, I think, uh, yes, you can be a singer, you can be an actor, you can be a director and everything. I think these are all very creative things. But like a lot of the times I think people don't think about it like that this is also a business. Like you can't just be like, because I, I actually, my dad has a friend, he's a very great director, but he's like so into just creative mindset, just creating a movie, but he never thinks about the money aspect or like the business side. I think that's when sometimes uh, talent fails that like they don't realize that like you really have to turn it into a business, like how you can make it monetized so you can keep creating uh, you know what you love because uh... budgets are there for a reason. You exactly. have to have a budget. Like when I when I was doing this this this, this album, which I will say, so your listeners got to understand. Look up the Pride album. Go to Bandcamp. Go to wherever you go. Go. I I, I want to push people to Bandcamp because I can measure and see exactly what's happening. We're trying to get 500 downloads by May May 7th. Mm -hmm. So between now and May 7th, look up Aaron Myers on Bandcamp. The, uh, the Pride the Pride album, that's the name of the new project. We're trying to get 500 downloads by, by May 7th because with that, I can get the billboard. So that's what we're trying to do. And we're in pre-orders now. The mm -hmm. album comes out April 30th. But you have to have those measures. A lot of people say, I want to get the billboard, but you don't know how many albums you have to sell to get there. I want to have my book on the, uh, the, the bestseller list. Well, how many books do you have to sell to get there? And if you want to have an album that's going to compete on a certain level where you have to have a certain level of person or producers. I mean, for this particular album, uh, the uh, Emily Lazar, uh, who mastered this album, she had three albums up for album of the year for the Grammys last year. Wow. You know, this is who worked with, with, with on my project, you know, my intake engineer, Grammy award winning. My bass player was on a Grammy nominated project at the time. You know, I was awarded during this process by the Jazz Journalists Association. Like you've got to know you're assembling a team and a team mm -hmm. costs money. There's no such thing as something for nothing. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think you must give people an, an incentive mm -hmm. to why they want to work with you. Yeah. I think that that's why also I would agree is that like 
in order to like be successful and everything, you also have to make some investment. Like you can't just uh, be thinking that like, oh, I can um, I can be an artist and I can keep doing what I love. But you also have to contribute to many other things to get to those goals. I know even this from myself, like as a, a influencer is like so many times. Yes, I mean, it is great to work with a brand and everything. And yes, getting paid for it. But also there's more aspects to me that like, yeah, maybe I want to get verified or I want to get this and I want to have a public like PR like like press about me and everything but you have to be making those connections to get there or like make investments for it uh when you talk about pr mm -hmm. a lot of people say they want pr Mm -hmm. but then you ask them you know well how are you going to measure your success with a pr person what how will you know that this pr person is guaranteed is is successful and is your money your investment because like when you're building your team you have your four tier team yeah you know, you have your first, the first tier is your, uh, is your lawyer, your representative, your mm-hmm. representative can act as either your agent or whomever, because they can sign and they can negotiate a contract on your behalf. Yeah. The next person is your PR person, right? Those two people, the only two people who are on monthly retainers, yeah. you, that, that's money that goes out. They're not getting a percentage of what you bring in. That is money that's going strictly out. Next, you have your agent, your agent can negotiate contracts and can consult with your lawyer you Mm -hmm. know but he specifically deals with the talent side of who you are so he negotiates specifically as a talent agent a commercial talent agent or Mm -hmm. whatever right yeah and so he's called an agent because lawyers at that time were called agents your agent your lawyer is the agent so you literally he can but then you have your manager and your manager works with you to manage the team See, a lot of people want teams, want, 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 want a manager without a team, you know? A lot mm-hmm. of people want a, a, a talent agent, but you don't even have a lawyer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, but you want but you want a PR, but you don't know what magazines you want to be seen in. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, where, so how so if, so if somebody was going to manage a person using PR, a, a PR, if I was a PR person, I'm like, oh, I, I would love to work with you. And what would they be working with? Like, yeah. what is what are the projects? Uh, how are we met? And this is, you'll hear me say this over and over again in my writing and my uh, advocacy work. Uh, how are we measuring success? How do you measure what does success look like for you? So if you're trying to be an influencer, what does success look like for you? And in these moments, you get a chance to view other people who have done some of the things that you wanted to do that you can actually emulate you can look at what they've done you can look at their process but when you're doing that you get an opportunity to be very choosy you get to be specific you can be very specific about the people you choose to emulate the people you choose to follow the people who you choose to follow their example you get to you get to be this is your power to view those people and then see what they've done and to see how you can do what they do but then also don't question the process so if somebody has, uh, if, if you ask for advice for somebody from somebody who, mm-hmm. who's in music and the musician tells you, well, this is what I've done to achieve this goal. Don't look at that and say, well, that seems uncomfortable. So I don't want to do that. Well, are you more attached to the process? Or are you more attached to the outcome? Because if you're more attached to the process and to what's comfortable for you, unless you're already experiencing this level of success, then your process doesn't work. Your process doesn't get you to where you want to go. Mm-hmm. However, if you know it takes this many hours of practice, it takes this t- 
type of production, this these this type of team to bring around you, you should be concentrating on the end goal that you're focusing on. And whenever you're feeling the discomfort, you should be more attached to saying, okay, this may be uncomfortable, but this is gonna get me to my end goal. So this is what I'm focusing on. But never, don't mistake, a lot of people think, well, just because I work hard, I'm gonna get there. Just because I'm doing the hard work, this is gonna equal success. No, only if you're working a certain way, if you're working with a specific goal, if you're working with research and development, if you're working with a model or people who you've seen do these things before, clear examples on how to get there and true faith in yourself that you can do it. That's the only way these things actually happen. And then whatever level of success you do experience, you must be very grateful for what you do receive. Because many of us, no matter what greatness and what uh, achievements we, we, we make, we, we forget to say simple things like thank you. And thank you, those are two, those are two words that are very, uh, uh, very simple, but Maya Angelou always said, that's also the two words you say to God, if you choose to serve a God of any kind. Um, and that's what you hope somebody will say to you once you've given some of yourself and sacrificed some of yourself for someone else. Thank you. So a lot of times, even in the work that we're doing, whether you are an artist, uh, a musician, uh, actor, influencer, whomever, we forget thank you. And thank you goes a long way. I can't agree more. I I think it like, and also people don't realize like how much it means to other people. Like it really does. It really means a lot. So since you were talking about that, who would you say like some of the artists like from uh, like your radar that you could be like, wow, they are doing like such a great job. In jazz, Gregory Porter, mm-hmm. um, Cecile McLaurin Savant, uh, uh, Jasmine Horn, who I love a great deal. She's also from uh, uh, Texas. In r and B, I would say her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she does um, uh, great. Um, um, the woman who just did, the, the woman who was just in the, um, Audra, Audra Day, Audra, mm, she was just in the Billie Holiday biopic, um, America versus Billie Holiday. I forget, I'm her blanking on her name. I, I should not, but I'm sorry, excellent. I'm so bad with names. Yeah. <laughs> I'm terrible with names. She, 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 she's excellent uh, in our current uh, thing. Um, uh, Lil Nas X just did a very thing with his last single that he just rolled out that hit the top of uh, Billboard mm-hmm. uh, uh, with the video and the actual, and the video matched the quality of the song as mm-hmm. well. So that was freaking uh, excellent. So yeah, those are some people I would say uh, now, if you want to look at, on the a- acting side, there's a this new um, 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 series that's getting a lot of controversy right now called Them. Oh um, yeah, I am def- I'm watching it. Please don't spoil it to me. Is that spoil? I won't spoil it. <laughs> okay. It's a lot. It's a lot to deal with. But yeah, that 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 whole cast, that whole team mm-hmm. from the baby out, that the how they work together is actually absolutely uh, uh, fantastic. Uh, during yeah. this pandemic, we've seen a lot of great art that's come out through mm-hmm. visual art that's come out uh, and. Uh, on on television, Netflix, or however you want to say it, uh, consuming. So we've seen a lot of good art that's come out and some artists that really broken through in good ways. Uh, Tiffany Haddish, of course. uh, Oh, yeah. Uh, She's amazing. I love her. Been on the scene a long time, but when she was able to break through, she broke through and kept going, which has been been fantastic. We've seen Jada uh, Pinkett Smith uh, and... uh, uh, use the red table talk now on on Facebook Live mm-hmm. as a as a medium 
to actually put out content where she's breaking news and having people who are uh, fought after uh, interview moments. She she's actually making it happen. So I'm 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 there's a lot of people to emulate out there who are doing things right. Um, yeah. And if you take the time to examine their process and the steps they took to get different places, and then realize uh, the the notion that well uh, well that's going to cost too much money. Rem always remember that the U.S. government is still printing money every day. Mm -hmm. There's trillions of dollars on the face of, of the earth, on the planet. All you have to do is get it and yeah. make a plan to get it and, and know that it's possible. If you approach your dreams from a space that you cannot achieve them before you've started out, you won't make it. If you do not believe you can achieve these goals, you won't do it. But if you do believe you can make it, you will. Would you say, because this is, I mean, I know maybe it's not like... Uh totally uh applicable but i'm just curious because like from what i have been seeing is that like apparently tiktok has been like a big push for singers like uh i'm not sure if it is like maybe specific songs or specific genre of the singers that like that helps them uh just like come to the radar or like be mainstream uh but have you experienced anything like this or have you well from what i've seen tiktok uh -huh. like with any social uh any social media uh, a platform that's in its peak mm -hmm. uh, deals with algorithms and then sheer numbers. Yeah. And so the thing is, years ago, the whole the whole notion was to be viral on YouTube. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And the cover songs had, and everything. Mm -hmm. So you had sheer numbers of people. So you had the amount of eyes that could possibly that you were possibly open to stumbling upon who you are. You know, that's why used to be stumbled upon used to be a big thing because you had a lot of people who are willing just to keep clicking until they stumbled upon something. Right. So I think it's the same thing with uh, TikTok. TikTok has an international audience. Uh, uh, there are millions and millions of people on the app, on the app who are actively using it. Um, it's an app that's easy to use, easy to access. You're not putting out hours of content. You're digestible 15 second, 30 second uh, minute, you know, clips that are not long, very similar to what Vine did. Oh yeah, I, I love that app, yeah. Right? And so um, when you, once, you, once you just take that, yes, singers became uh, popular on Vine, singers became popular on MySpace, singers became popular on YouTube, singers became popular on uh, Tumblr. Like every app, is, when it hit its peak, mm -hmm. the arts have always found a way to peek through, to you know come out and shine. And people have been able to uh, start their careers because they found their initial audience through that particular platform. Agreed, agreed. Uh, I, I'm glad like you're uh, mentioning it in like a very uh, general perspective because I think a lot of people nowadays, when something new comes up, I guess like everyone is always like so skeptical about like, oh, if it's good, if it's going to be around for a while or when it gets popular, though, they immediately immediately start just fangirling. They're like, oh, my God, it's so good. Like, I have to try it and it has to work. But I'm just glad like you're just breaking it down in terms of like how some things were used to be popular and how people just came out of it. And and I totally yeah. agree with you because there are so many, I think, people that I uh, even still follow because of wine, like that I was using them and I found them through there and. Yeah, I think uh, Cardi B. Yeah, exactly. Like I feel like people didn't know about it, but like that's true. Cardi that's B was true. first on Vine, and then she got on Love and Hip Hop, and then she, I'm like, I remember Cardi B from Vine. That's what, and the success that she's experiencing now is the success she she deserves. 
all of the talent, all of the greatness that Cardi B is giving right now was within her when she was on Vine. Yeah. She had faith in herself that she that something was there, you know? Um, same thing. We A lot of people look at the cartoon Boondocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, uh, that, have you heard of Boondocks? Yes, Boondocks, yes. The, the I have heard of that that first started as a cartoon strip that was on Black Planet. I remember Black Planet used to be the uh, used to be the social site before MySpace and all that good stuff, right? And so each iteration, as we have progressed with technology and innovation, um, each platform um, it has birthed some great people, and these people found their audiences. Why? Because they were not really accepted, or there was not a pathway where they could go into in the traditional entertainment uh, uh, market in Hollywood or what have you. So they found their way in. They have now gone into mainstream and the very success that they're experiencing today is the exact same success they had deep within them when they were on these initial platforms. Yeah. Which well, is amazing. That's why I like I love the other artists more than versus like whatever is popping now is because I feel like they have built the audience for a while. Like they were working a lot. I feel like a lot of people thought like just Cardi B just came out of nowhere and just became so popular with Kodak. You know what I mean? It just didn't happen. She was the model is not new, and the reason why. So if you go all the way back in the fifties and the sixties and the seventies, right? Yeah. And you saw all those old movie stars like I Love Lucy. You ever heard of I Love Lucy and Lucy Ball? You ever heard? Of I Love Lucy? I don't think I have. <laughs> I don't think I you're going to have to check out. I okay, Love Lucy. I will check it you're out. going to have to check out Lucy. Ball. Please, it's on Hulu now. Okay, I, I will definitely check it out today. That you will, you have to commit to five episodes. You have to okay. commit to five episodes of I Love Lucy. It's black okay. and white. It's funny. All right. Okay. Okay. But all, when you look at those old television shows, well, and all those old movie stars from years ago, well, at that time for television, there was only four stations. Wow. There's only four TV stations. So everyone in the country was looking at only four stations. And television wasn't 24 hours a day. Television stopped around midnight, 1 o'clock or 2 a.m., right? So everybody at 7 p.m. on a Saturday night had to choose from one of four stations to look at. So, of course, you're going to be famous. But if you think of it now, right, if you're on Facebook, Twitter, well, I said, sorry, TikTok, Instagram, Instagram yeah. Twitter, right? Twitter, yeah. right? And then the old people thing, Facebook, YouTube, I mean, like, and then the, and five, but you have five, you have five predominantly uh, virtual global markets, right? Yeah. And when people strike there and find their niche and find their audiences on one of those five markets, the same thing happens to them that happened back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. When people found a popular program to be a part of in old Hollywood on television. And that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. No, that's why I was I wanted to ask you is like, do you believe in overnight success or the people who just got so popular so fast? Or you think that that's just kind of, a, you know, like a time being thing that that could end very badly? Well, so so there's two there's two uh, uh, trains of the school of thoughts on that mm-hmm. overnight success. So you may have a person who did who entered into either a scripted program or an interview or had a media moment uh, that was unplanned that resonated with a great number of people that drew great continued interest that helped uh, spawn a career or underwrite a career. That's one school of thought. 
But then you also have people who have been working at it for a long time and they finally got that opportunity that resonated with a lot of people Yeah. that then sparked continued interest that gave them the opportunity to really launch their careers. So you can't have overnight success where it was unplanned, you didn't look for it, you were not asking for it, but now it's given to you. Those happen not very often, but it mm -hmm. does happen. But then you have those people who have been working very hard for a long time and they finally got the opportunity and because of their training, because of their hard work and because they were prepared, they were able to seize the moment and utilize the moment, take advantage of the moment and really launch their careers. Yeah. So let's use the one of those two. Yeah, no, I'm glad you're talking like in two different ways because I I never I didn't think about it in, immediately because I think yeah there are people actually who literally just maybe put one video and they just got viral but there are actually people you're so right that like they have been creating a content for a quite a while then it just happened to be they had this breakthrough moment and it just you know it happened uh, was it was it um the blonde uh car blondie something car blondie the uh, the blonde girl, she does all the new exotic cars and the expensive cars on, on Instagram and YouTube, uh, something car blondie. I'm oh yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Car blondie, she does like these exotic cars, like the one point whatever million, uh, subscribers yeah, on YouTube. Yes. I know she does like these things and she lives in Dubai. Like, yes, because I'm such a yeah, big so, car person. <laughs> I watch her yeah, channel. She didn't start off with that. I mean, she's been doing these for like five years. Wow, and I had no first, idea. And her first video was not this whole thing. She was at a car show and uh -huh. and trying to find people to talk to mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. cars to get. And it took five years of consistency and branding. And you know, like with any, if you're an, if any influencer is looking, uh, listening, you understand that the time of day when you're posting, when your audience is most respect, responsive, uh, your posting grid that you have, mm -hmm. all these things you have to do. All, but but consistency. You miss two days of posting, you've messed up your whole algorithm, you've messed up your whole situation. Well, with her, she was very consistent. And for five years, she went from her original name to now the logo and the brand that she's created today, where now car companies are calling her. Exactly. Because she's a massive audience. And that's what any influencer wants. An influencer wants do their consistency and their brand that they want these partners to call them where they're no longer looking for people to partner with. They're having to turn people away when well, that comes. But you that doesn't come in these in those two moments that doesn't come overnight. That doesn't come uh, by chance. It takes work, 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 work. And then you pass a threshold to where your audience is valued along with you and when people see you they don't just see you they see you and your audience and that's what people that's what people want that's why you uh you go on certain news programs you go on good morning you go on good morning america because you know you value their audience yes that's why you partner with them you know mm -hmm. you yeah. go on uh, uh uh cnn because you know their audience you can you can value their audience. Uh, there are people who won't go on certain podcasts because they don't value audiences. There yeah. are certain people who won't do the, and there are certain partners you won't take because you don't value uh, their audience. Um, you, you, you first must value yourself, 
you must respect and value your audience. And then you'll meet a, a moment in which, in, in, in which partners, brands, companies will value you with your audience. And then the partnerships will just start coming to you. Yeah. How has your mental health been while being in this career path? I know for myself, like, I feel like I, I mean, I never really willingly just like came onto this being a content creator or anything like that. It just happened to be my, uh, literally I right out of college, I was like a side hustle then turned into a business, uh, but it did affect me greatly. Hence, I started this podcast, but how would you say for you as a, uh, you know, because you have been in this industry as an actor and a singer and like you're writing, you're an entrepreneur. I think there's so many things that, um, you know, ties together and how, how, how have you been taking care of yourself mentally? Well, I've, I've, I've had a therapist since I was in fourth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my, my mother believed in mental health. Uh, my mother um, recognized issues uh, within her family that she did not want to see, you know, carried on with me and with my, you know, so I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of mental health. The pandemic was difficult. I saw a therapist and a counselor. Mm-hmm. throughout the pandemic i was going batshit crazy i was didn't know what to do um i was exacerbated my anxiety level was beyond whatever it has ever been my anxiety attacks were just horrible yeah. um and this album saved my life i would say because yeah. um in speaking with my therapist uh we made a decision where i needed this to be focusing on living and the things that fulfill me while i'm li- alive during this time and this work, the, the, my music, my art is something uh, that really not only fulfills me, but it helps. It, it's my be- my best therapist. Mm. It's my best expression. And so I focused in. And imagine, I, if it wasn't for this album that I'm working on now, if it wasn't for the book, the, and the book is entitled Everybody, By the Way, B.I. The Way, Tall Tales and Lessons Learned. Uh, it's a memoir. It tells all of my tawdry secrets and all the good stuff and all the hookups and things of that nature. But um, and all the lessons I've learned along mm-hmm. the way. But if it wasn't for my, me writing, I wrote my first book during the pandemic, uh, white people talking to white people, examining race. I mean, if it wasn't for this art while we're dealing with George Floyd, yeah. while we're dealing with all the, the racial inequity mm-hmm. and the racial uh, 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 uprising and whatever, and the sickness and my family and friends who died and the grief and not being able to grieve with the people I love and not seeing my mom now for almost two years. Um, if it wasn't for this art, I would, I would have lost, I would have ended it all. Wow. If I would have ended it all completely. This, this process, this pandemic, I could not, I was, it was difficult to handle things mentally during and emotionally during this pandemic, but in this industry, mm-hmm. because I believe in mental health and because things are so, um, uncertain and there are things sometimes that are not definite, uh, within the entertainment industry. Um, it does cause a level of anxiety. It makes it difficult to maintain relationships. Oh, a lot yeah. of people don't understand your hustle and why you have to hustle the way you have to hustle. Um, a lot of people um, do not uh, respect the fact that, you know, whereas they go into an office for eight hours, which I respect a great deal, that mm-hmm. when I'm doing my side hustle I'm, and I'm doing my hustling, that is my office for my eight hours. I have never been, I told uh, a previous partner, I was like, I've never been upset when you could not have lunch with me from two to four because you're at the office. I've never done that. So don't mm-hmm. be mad at me when I have to go do a show or when I have to go and speak here, I have to do that because yeah. this is my work. And so I think having a definite of purpose 
and understanding and articulating that first to all relationships, your friends, your family, your intimate, but then understanding within yourself how you're measuring your success. It helps wrap your mind around what is working, what is not. And oftentimes we're not told what we're doing that's right when you're doing actually the right thing. Because yeah. many times we're, try we're, we're so busy trying to fix what's wrong, we don't spend the amount of time we need to do to reinforce what we're doing right. And so I want everybody, whoever listening, to take stock of the things that you're doing with your business and really think about what are you doing that's right and celebrate those things that you're doing that are right and figure out ways how you can make those right things stronger. Yeah. And if you can do that, you can see even more success, I feel. Yeah. Uh, one thing you mentioned, I, I want us to conclude with that. I think uh, because the entertainment industry is like, because literally it's entertainment, like you're entertaining people because of your, with your content, music, I don't know, movies, anything like that. People think that like, it's not work. And that's why something I feel like sometimes they think that like, like whenever I used to go to <laughs> events and everything, like that's literally my job to go to an event so I can post about the brand. But people thought like, oh, Merce is just having the greatest time or whatever. He didn't invite us or he didn't come to this or whatever. I'm just like, no, like you literally going to office and doing your work. This is my work. So I'm glad like you're mentioning it that like, yeah, it, it might look different to someone else, but that is literally my work at the end of the day. I used to feel so it's bad show about business. it. Exactly. Literally, it's a show, show business. Show business. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. No, I used to feel so bad about it that like, I'm just like, oh, I, I can't do anything with the, this people is because like, I have something else or whatever. But then I realized like um, that is my work. So I, I cannot just mm -hmm. be thinking about it. I feel like it just takes over time, obviously, that to realize it, especially because like when you're so new and you don't know so many things about the industry. Uh, but I, I feel like one thing I would say you would agree with this, too. I feel like uh, because now we have so much resources out there. And there's so many, so much information out there that I feel like uh, it's not like what it used to be. Because I feel like when I first started, the like influencer industry was so new, like 2016, it was so new. Like everyone was like, what? What is that? Is that a, something you made up? Like it was not even a word. Like, uh, but I think uh, nowadays there's just so much uh, information is out there that I feel like if you really look for it, uh, you can definitely find it. I, I agree. You have to know what you're looking for and to do your research and not be ashamed or embarrassed to say what you don't know. Yeah, exactly. And, so, and with that, I've got to tell people, go to Aaron2.me, A-E-R-O-N, mm -hmm. number two.me. You can find information about my new book, By the Way, Tall Tales, Lessons, uh, uh, Lessons Learned, um, that releases June 10th. My new album, the Pride album, releases April 30th. You can pre-download it right now on Bandcamp and on Amazon and on other things of that nature. But go to Bandcamp. That's where I want you to go pre-download the Pride album. I'm trying to get to 500 downloads by May 7th. That'll be a, a great help to me. And um, yeah, I'm, this is what I'm looking forward to. Go to Aaron2.me. You'll find all my information. Awesome. Sounds good. I will definitely put the episode links uh, in the episode notes so they can find it. Uh, thank you so much for coming to the show. Thank you for having me.